Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 45 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Today, our episode is about life in Sicily, Italy. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. Today, I wanted to do something different, but yet still in keeping with the tradition of mine. If you follow my blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, you'll notice that once a year, I write something about life in Sicily the food, the people, the traditions. Well, today I wanted to bring this to life on my podcast and in keeping with my tradition of focusing on Sicily and the life here. A couple of notes about the tradition. I usually am in Sicily when I write the posting, and I'm now in Sicily and have been for most of the summer. And for some reason, I usually focus on Sicily around the 4th of July. I know that they are not logically connected, but nonetheless, for some reason, when I'm in Sicily and it is the 4th of July, I end up honoring Sicily in some way. So today I want to honor Sicily in an important way by interviewing my lovely wife, Rosetta Shaka, who gave me the gift of not only her love, but her extraordinary family and life here in Sicily. Rosetta and I have been married for over 10 years, and sometimes I tell people we've been married forever because it feels like that in a beautiful way. There's no better person to speak to about Sicily than my wife. Just to give you a little background, uh, Rosetta came to the U.S. when she was six years old with her mother. Rosetta's father was killed in a tragic traffic accident here in Sicily when she was one and a half years old. Rosetta returned to Italy for middle school and high school to Rome, Italy, and she has a wonderful family here in Sicily. One of the wonders of being married to Rosetta is to meet and live with her family, which is located in Marsala, Sicily, on the West Coast. It's a beautiful area, and the people here are wonderful, loving, and very kind. So I thought the best way to give listeners a window into Sicily, its history, and its traditions, is to interview my beautiful and wonderful wife, Rosetta, who I consider the world's foremost expert on Sicily and Italian life and culture. Well, welcome, honey, and I'm so happy to finally get a chance to talk to you about Sicily uh, for my listeners, and uh, thanks for making your time for this. Thank you, darling. Um, you left uh, Sicily when you were young, but you come back or came back here often, and tell us about your sort of connection with Sicily, your Sicilian life. Well, it's interesting that uh, even though we went to America when I was very young, uh, we never uh, severed our ties with Sicily. We have a very large family here, and uh, and we would come back during the summer holidays, uh, the three months of summer when I was a young girl, uh, and then we returned uh, during middle school, and I, I uh, went to middle school and high school uh, in Rome. and uh, And so Sicily has always been part of my life. Um, that's not to say that we were not involved in American life, uh, because uh, our American life was also very much a part of my upbringing, and uh, and very important to my mother and myself. And we consider ourselves uh, very much Americans, and uh, as well as uh, Italian. So we always hear, and I hate to bring this up right in the beginning, but about Sicilian food and the traditions and. The, the meals and the table and the the time together with your family. It, what What is that in the Sicilian culture? Can you describe that? 
family meals are the heart of Sicilian life, and uh, I would say of Italian life, uh, but especially in the South. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, everyone pauses uh, at lunchtime, which usually is about uh, one o'clock, uh, where the, uh, the noonday meal, the main meal of the day begins, and everyone comes home, and everyone uh, uh, partakes of a beautiful meal. Uh, we sit around the table, we talk, uh, we then usually rest a little bit, and then at four o'clock, everyone gets ready to go out and face the world again. What, um, and in terms of the cooking and the cuisine, uh, it was, I mean, I learned a whole new set of cuisine. It's not like spaghetti and meatballs and other things like that, and we always joke about that, but what is it about the Sicilian cuisine that's so unique and so um, tasty, uh, I'd like to say. Hollywood has done a great disservice to, uh, to Sicilian cuisine uh, by depicting it as basically red sauce, meatballs, and, uh, uh, you know, b- big fancy desserts. Well, the big fancy dessert part is maybe correct. <laughs> Sicily does not have a singular culinary tradition. Uh, Sicily is influenced by the cultures that uh, that occupied the island over the centuries and beginning in the middle in the Middle Ages and even before uh, the time of the uh, the Romans and the Greeks. Um, but the most the the most uh, the influences that are most strongly felt are those of the Saracens, North African uh, kings and and uh, um, cultures that occupied Sicily. Um, in the early Middle Ages, also the Normans, the Spanish, and later on, even the, the British uh, in more recent times. The, the strongest influence comes from, from the Saracens. Uh, and although their, their reign in Sicily was less than 100 years, their influence is felt widely and broadly in the, in, uh, in the culture, in Sicilian culture. You may have heard of couscous. Uh, well, couscous is uh, is prepared a little differently in Sicily. While the Sicilian uh, take on couscous is made with uh, fish and uh, and all of our beautiful seafood that's available here. One of one of the interesting things that I remember learning um, was that the great citrus products that we have in Sicily, the best oranges, lemons, all of that, came from where. From yes, Northern Africa. That's exactly right. Those were all gifts from our uh, from our Arab uh, ancestors. Uh, they came from North Africa. They brought citrus. They brought oranges. They brought ice cream. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. um, and it was so popular that the that the Norman uh, aristocracy brought it back to to France. Um, they brought technologies for for cultivating uh, wheat and and uh, crops. They also uh, were responsible for making canals that lead into the city so that commerce could take place. It was a very very important part of Sicilian history uh, that particular period of Arab domination. So, just I have to take one moment because couscous here is such an incredible dish. It's the couscous grain that then is infused with um, parts of fish, some very fancy shrimp, mm-hmm. 
And then there's a broth that is put on it. What is the broth made of? It's so delicious. The broth is a, pu- a bouillabaisse. It's a it's a fish broth. And of course, the fish here in Sicily is absolutely unparalleled in my in my opinion. Uh, it is uh, it's brought to the table in some cases less than an hour after it's been fished, so you know it's very very fresh. I, uh, the couscous grain is wheat. It, it's a it's a type of wheat that's been uh, uh, ground in a certain way, um, and it's important to know that Sicily, at the time of the Romans, was considered part of the the wheat uh, belt of uh, the wheat basket, I suppose is the, the term right. for Italy, along with Puglia and other areas of southern southern Italy. Uh, well, um, and it's interesting because even in your description of the food, you've mentioned so many different cultures. And one of the things that's incredible about Sicily, at least from my standpoint, is that you can see evidence of different culture. You've taken me to, for example, Greek temples. Um, You've shown me churches that were built with Norman influence or architecture. Is that something that's throughout Sicily, just the multicultural kind of influences from its history? Yes. I suppose if you're talking about melting pots, I would say Sicily is the original melting pot where all cultures come together. Uh, but but they're not lost. They're, they're maintained. They're, uh, even though we may have lost track of where uh, the origins lie, but, but they're, they're very much part of our, our daily life. I just want to mention something going back to the food, and that is there is um, a notion out there that Sicilian food and, and Southern Italian food is what people term cucina povera, which means poor kitchen, a poor man's food. And that's why it's delicious, because we incorporate tomatoes and garlic and things that you find easily in a, gar- in a garden, and that it's just very clean food without... Uh, you know, with a lot of without a lot of preparation, you actually taste the ingredients, and that is certainly true. There is an aspect of of Sicilian cuisine and Southern Italian cuisine that has to do with that, um, but that is that isn't the whole story for Sicily. Uh, the other side of Sicilian cuisine is what we term cucina baronale, baronial, baronial uh, cuisine. And that is uh, the influence that was brought by these many illustrious courts that came to uh, conquerors who brought their courts to Sicily, uh, who brought their chefs, and who began to explore the ingredients that we had in Sicily and incorporate them in their own cuisine. So, for example, the Normans, um, the Spanish, the court of the two Sicilies, um, all of these brought their own uh, traces, left their own traces in in our uh, in our food in our in our culture broader culture, um, they in turn trained Sicilian chefs to work in their courts. These chefs became very important personalities. They were the the superstars of the of their day. Um, they were called Monzu chefs, and uh, and these chefs often traveled back with the uh, with the aristocracy to their own country, to France, to Spain. Um, came back here, had uh, uh, incorporated their cuisine, and gave these uh, invading countries um, techniques and and uh, and ideas uh, and foods that they would not normally have had access to. Well, let me switch just now to one of my well, besides food, one of my favorite topics, uh, and that is. 
that I find the Sicilian people to be incredibly warm, loving, and generous. Uh, and I always say that if you're honest and open and loving with them, they usually respond in kind. Uh, and, I mean, what is it about the Sicilian people that makes them so warm, besides the good food, the good climate, and the beautiful countryside? But there's something unique to me about that. It's true that Sicilians are very warm and very loving people. I, I'm actually almost surprised by that, because after centuries of domination and occupation by, by foreign powers, I would think that there would be a tendency to be wary of outsiders, and actually, uh, I do believe that that is uh, an aspect of um, Sicilian mentality, that there is a tendency to look at the outside world uh, with just a little bit of um, hesitation. However, once you are invited into a Sicilian home, once you're invited into a Sicilian family, when you're part of, of that group, there is, I would think that there's no culture anywhere that would make you feel as warm, as welcome, and as loved? Um, there are a couple of uh, traditions that we've participated in or witnessed um, in Sicily, and can you, can you describe a couple of uh, interesting traditions? Um, well, several come to mind. My favorite is a tradition that happens uh, during weddings, especially in the more rural parts of, of Sicily, and it's called a serenata, the serenade. It's a tradition that probably goes back, I would think, to uh, to the Middle Ages. But um, the groom uh, goes to the, the bride-to-be's window late at night, usually with his companions, and he serenades her. He sings songs to her. The bride-to-be, of course, knows exactly what's going to happen because, uh, because it's, uh, it's expected. And so she pretends to be asleep. And then usually someone, her mother, her sister, will wake her and bring her to the window. And she'll open the window and the groom is there with his friends uh, singing to her. And then afterwards, of course, all the friends who all know about this will gather around. And then there's a huge, uh, um, you know, party afterwards with uh, with champagne and so forth. Well, I remember, However, I just want to I yeah. just want to tell you that the bride is not supposed to see or the groom is not supposed to see the bride before the wedding. So this is the night before the wedding. So either he's blindfolded or the bride is be, <laughs> behind the uh the uh shutters, shutters yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I remember this because it also turns turns into everybody starts dancing, they're singing, and then it's followed, of course, by another meal. Of course. <laughs> yeah, afterwards. <laughs> and this is late at night in, in the midnight uh, hours, and it's a truly beautiful, the songs are terrific, and everybody dances, and it's just a, a wonderful uh, sort of tradition. Mm -hmm. um, another, another tradition that comes to mind are the processions, and Sicilians have processions for just about everything. Uh, so there are the the most famous ones are uh, around the big holidays like Easter, uh, Christmas. Uh, the Easter procession in Trapani, in the city, the western city of Trapani, is probably the most famous, where there are actors who dress as Jesus and Pontius Pilate and and uh, and the whole uh, tell the whole uh, biblical story of uh, Christ's death and resurrection, and. Um, 
but throughout the year, there are other processions where they will take, for example, a statue out of a church and, um, and they will carry it through the town and they sing songs and they say prayers. And there's a band usually that follows, um, you get a sense of this in the, the Godfather movie, uh, when they are, uh, when the young couple is getting married and there's a band that follows it's that type of band usually that follows these processions, and it's absolutely delightful. I've seen the Godfather band mm-hmm. several times uh, when we've been in Marsala, and we watch uh, these, and they're like mini parades in a sense. They are, but they're parades, yes. They're, and they're mm-hmm. really, uh, they're really a, a lot of fun. Well, we're in uh, Marsala, which is on the west coast of Sicily. And I, I've noticed, uh, I read a recent article that, uh, you know, the western part of Sicily is now becoming the hot area to go to. One thing that I think is incredibly fascinating, it's, uh, we have, first off, the probably the number one site in the world for kite surfing uh, off the western tip because of the winds and the lagoon, uh, which is fascinating because we get all these people from different countries coming to Western Marsala, and we run into them in a small town uh, located nearby. Um, but what is, what would you say are some of the more interesting cities and spots, uh, starting with Marsala and other cities in Western Sicily that people should always think about visiting? Well, definitely Marsala. Marsala has a very rich history. Uh, Marsala is the the launching point of uh, was the launching point for Garibaldi when he uh, when he came to unify Italy. He started in Marsala. Um, every family in Marsala has some story about how their ancestors shared a glass of wine with Garibaldi. It's it's quite humorous, but uh, uh, but anyway. So it, it has it has an important history. It was uh, a Phoenician settlement originally. Um, the Phoenicians were driven out by the Greeks during a period of expansion in ancient Greece. And uh, Ro- the Romans, it was a Roman settlement there. Uh, most importantly, because of the, the where Marsala was situated uh, and where Sicily is situated in the Mediterranean, it was an important uh, stopping point for commerce and also the scene where a lot of wars were fought, especially the Punic Wars, the Three Punic Wars, and throughout Marsala, there are, um, um, have been discoveries of Punic ships, Roman ships that fought in the Punic Wars, and um, the most famous of which is in one of the museums in Marsala. It's the whole side flank of a Roman ship that fought in, the, in one of the Punic Wars, um, practically intact. It's just really an amazing, amazing uh, relic. Um, right, right near us is a really uh, interesting uh, island, which uh, we frequently take visitors to, called Mozia. What's the significance of Mozia to uh, Marsala and its history in the Punic Wars, I guess? Well, Mozia was, uh, again, it was founded by Phoenicians, and um, it's, uh, it was, uh, they, were, they were actually driven out of there from, uh, by the Greeks, and they came onto the mainland of uh, of uh, Sicily, where Marsala is now. Um, Mozia uh, was taken over by a British family called the Whitakers. They were wine producers, uh, and um, the Whitakers, the the family, started a foundation which now engages in archaeological research 
in the area. Um, one of the uh, one of the most important um, findings on Moltsia in the last twenty years has been a beautiful statue of the of a charioteer. Uh, its origins are not clear. Uh, it's not clear if it was Greek or if it was uh, Phoenician or Phoenician period uh, commissioned by Greeks or commissioned by Phoenicians in uh, in Greece. Uh, but it, it is an absolutely beautiful statue and, and very unusual. Um, the statue has made its round, uh, uh, has made its uh, way around the world. I remember seeing it a few years back at the Getty in Los Angeles. Um, so Mozia is definitely an area to to visit. It's a five minute ferry ride. Um, Mozia is situated in a lagoon. In fact, the whole of Marsala is uh, is situated in in a lagoon. Uh, and there are many islands on this, in this lagoon. Some of them are small. You can actually take a kayak and kayak around to the islands. Uh, part of it has been reserved for kite surfers. Um, the, the, the whole area, by the way, is a, uh, a park, a government park, a preserve. Mm. Uh, and then there are larger islands further out, the island of Favignana, the island of Marettimo, the island of uh, Formica. Levanso. Levanso. Uh, these are absolutely beautiful islands. It takes a motorboat to get out there, or the, a ferry. The, there's a ferry that you can take from Marsala. Uh, but they are—they're charming. They're—they're uh, uh, they're the the ultimate in island life. Very relaxed, wonderful food, uh, lovely people. What about um, nearby? Is and this is where your mom is from, or uh, from Tropani. Mm-hmm. And what's uh, obviously Trapani is a bigger port town, but um, there's also uh, sites there to see as well, right? Yes, Trapani is an important city. Marsala is within the province of it's a, a province of Trapani. Trapani is the main regional city, uh, and uh, it's uh, it, it was very important in antiquity um, and uh, very. What about the, uh, and I'm going to get in trouble for the way I pronounce this, but the, uh, there's a mountain there which is called Eriche. And um, what about Eriche and what's the significance? Because we've, we've known people who traveled to Sicily and then wanted to see that. That was a big thing to them. Mm-hmm. Eriche is just charming. Eriche is a little medieval town um, in Trapani uh, on, a, on a hill, uh, a small mountain. And um, it was a, originally a Norman fortification. The streets are very small. They're all made of cobblestone. Uh, people have been living there in probably the same way for centuries. Um, it's absolutely charming. You enter Erice and you enter a totally different world. Um, absolutely beautiful. With artisans. I always remember artisans, all the people. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's a woman there who's been making rugs for right. years. There ago. are there are certain crafts that are typical to Eriche. One is uh, uh, these rugs that they make. It's a it's a specific type of rug, and they uh, they make them on on looms utilizing pieces of uh, of cloth, uh, usually like scraps of cloth. In the in ancient days, it was uh, whatever scraps of cloth or things. Instead of throwing them away they would uh, incorporate them into these rugs. And so you have these very colorful, beautiful rugs uh, that are made on looms. And you still have families there, uh, you know, children that learned how to make these, these rugs on, on, on the same loom from their, from their mothers, their fathers. 
they also have uh, specific, and this is true in most of Sicily, they have specific uh, patterns of ceramics. And so when you get a ceramic from Erice, you can expect uh, a certain uh, design uh, on the ceramics. It's very beautiful. And what about uh, my favorite spot with the uh, cookies, Maria Grappa? The Grappe. cookies, yes. Yeah. But what's the significance of these cookies? Because they are delicious, particularly. Yeah, with these, are the, these are the cookies of Erice. When I was a little girl, we would go to Erice, and there was a, a convent, a cloistered convent there. And the nuns supported themselves by making cookies. And they made uh, one particular type of cookie they were very famous for, mostaccioli. And uh, and other other kinds of cookies, usually with almonds, made with almond meal. Um, because they were cloistered, they couldn't see their their um, customers. And so, outside of this very ancient stone convent, was a wooden lazy Susan. And you would put your money first on there because they were very good businesswomen. And then they would turn the lazy Susan around, take the money, and then turn it around, and you would get your cookies. Oh my gosh. Well, the nuns have since died out there. Uh, this was many years ago, and and uh, they're they're the last the last nun. They call them the signorine. The last one that that uh, you know that was left died maybe ten years ago. Um, however, there was a woman there whose family placed her there as a child uh, during the war in order to keep her safe, and her name is Maria Gramatico, and she's now uh, in her seventies, I believe. And she learned how to make these cookies through the through the nuns, and she is uh, probably one of the very few people, if if the only one, that had the recipes on how to make these these cookies because they were well guarded secrets. Um, and uh, Maria Gramatico has since opened her own bakery there, and she ah. makes these, and it's it's a real treat. We always stop off there, uh, and you load up on the cookies to to bring back home uh, to the United States. I know that. Okay, honey, you've, rec- you've talked about the islands, you've talked about Marsala, Trapani. So if there were some sort of sites to see, ancient sites to see uh, in the western um, part of Sicily, uh, what would you, what are some of the sort of interesting sites? I would definitely look at some of the Greek uh, ruins. Uh, the city of Agrigento is extremely uh, the old old part of Agrigento. The 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 uh, historic park, uh, the archaeological park, is extremely interesting. Uh, there are more standing Greek temples, I understand, in Sicily than probably in Greece. Um, but it is uh, it's a whole city filled with uh, with with temples, with uh, massive statues, with it gives you an understanding of what a Greek town might have been like. What about, there are two other spots that we, we've gone to called, one called Selenunte, and then the other called Segesta. Again, these are Greek um, uh, citadels. These are, uh, Segesta and Selenunte uh, are Greek temples. And they're usually... Uh, the Greeks had a great sense of real estate. These temples are usually placed uh, at very high points on hills or, or hilltops or mountains, and uh, they look down over the valley. Uh, this was for protection, um, and they're just lovely. Um, they and have worth a visit, that's for sure. Definitely worth a visit, yes. You can also see the necropolis uh, nearby, 
uh, you can you have a sense of uh, there are museums there as well um, that give you a better sense of what Greek colonies uh, of the of antiquity might have been like. Okay, well, we're getting close to the finish here, honey, but this has been uh, really fascinating. And I wanted to uh, mention a couple things. If anybody is traveling to Sicily, of course, you're always welcome to visit us uh, if we're there. But if you ever want some suggestions on things to do, places to go, Palermo, for example, we've spent time in is a beautiful city and there are a lot of things to do there, Catania, similar. Um, but if you want to reach out to me, um, at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Um, Rosetta also is uh, a painter, an oil painter, and uh, we're excited because she's going to paint lots of pictures of Sicily. But also, uh, she's going to get her uh, MFA uh, in New York at the New York Academy of Art, but, uh, and will have a website soon. Uh, with her artwork, uh, some of which will be uh, pictures of Sicily. Um, and uh, we will keep you posted on the website. It should be up in the next uh, month or so. Um, but again, if you're interested in information about Sicily, uh, please feel free to email me, and then Rosetta and I can uh, respond and, and help you with that. Um, Honey, thanks very much. This has been fascinating. You uh, obviously, uh, this is one of my dreams. And thank you again for all the beauty that you've given me here in Sicily uh, and your wonderful family and your love, of course. Thank you, darling. Thank you for embracing Sicily. <laughs> <laughs>